Thank you, John Riley, for that one. The windmill, a paradiddle reversed with a flam. Left, right, right. Left, right, right, left, right, right, left, left, right, left. Can't even keep up with where I'm up to with all this stuff. I've probably mentioned this before. <clears throat> anyway, welcome back. Um, yeah, it's kind of nice to sort of be thinking again about... Um, trying to put together different combinations of, of stickings and stuff and, uh, and then thinking about kind of reorchestrating them around the drum kit and um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks or so um, oh sorry about that, smashed into the stand um I am a week behind already with the, the next episode of Drums in the Shed. Sorry about that, but um, it's very busy at the moment with work. I'll start teaching again on Monday, which is great. Um, and just, yeah, a lot going on and um, trying to get a lot of things organised. And it's been uh, it's been a very quite short turnaround this year. Uh, Um, we're getting there we're winning as they say um, and in the midst of all that chaos been quite busy playing you know which um, which has been great because it's been reminding me of the many eternal questions that I have going on in my playing life Uh and that's why I kind of I loosely named this episode Values. Um, and, I, you know, I just kind of think I'm probably going to end, be ending up repeating maybe things I've talked about before. I don't know, up to episode 57 now. So, you know, I've just kind of decided that trying to, trying to stay... Um, 
stay on top of what I've talked about before is kind of impossible. One is I'm not organised enough. And secondly, I don't have enough of a memory. Because um, I don't... I used to, when I first started doing these podcasts, I used to listen through them afterwards to make sure that... Um, well, just to make sure they're okay, you know. And then after a while, I realised it was a completely futile thing because, one, it took ages because it takes the same length again, obviously, because they're, you know, they're an hour or an hour and a half longer, however long they are. And and then it was just that thing of, well, I'm just listening to what I've already been part of. It just seemed kind of weirdly egotistical in a way. So I stopped listening to them, you know. Um, but the byproduct of that was that... Um, you know, I kind of forget specifically about what I talk about in each episode. You know, there's a kind of general theme. Um, but I had a couple of moments in the last in the last week where, because what I used to do is I used to make little notes, you know, and um, and then I used to kind of and then I used to kind of record the episodes, you know, and all that stuff. And and uh, and then I stopped doing that for a while. I started just doing like an ad hoc thing, um, which. I wasn't sure whether it worked so well. I'm not sure. People, 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 sort of three, four people that maybe listen to this, I'm not sure. Um, Seem to send nice, say nice things. So that was cool. Um, but I kind of, I was finding that a little bit hard to uh, to kind of get into something, get into a topic. I felt like I was just like a running, running commentary on my sort of boring life, really, and about what was going on, you know, and then that's not really very interesting. Um, so I decided to to kind of um, when I had these kind of thoughts was to kind of write them down and and uh, and so this week yeah this kind of thing of values and then it, it was sort of links to this idea of the creative person. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to lots of sort of different. Uh, types of podcasts, you know, that are sort of involved in different things, industries, you know. Um, weirdly, you may find weirdly, I listen to some uh, finance podcasts about about uh, the world's money. Um, I'm not a person that's really into finance at all, but I had a a very strange thing happened when um, just after my father passed away, which was two years ago, just just over two years ago now, and I suddenly started getting interested in um, kind of money, world money, and specifically things that were going on um, between kind of America, Hong Kong, and China. And this thing about the Hong Kong dollar and the and the and the, the Hong Kong um, property market and stuff. Anyway, this is all very boring. But um, I kind of find listening to different sort of things, different subject area things, you know, on podcasts, are just varied and and whatever is is apparently quite calming for my mind, you know. Um, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm into I'm quite into sort of you know engineeringy things and stuff like that. So. That's kind of um, you know something I listen to a lot of, uh, and I keep hearing this recurring theme. And, and I listen to drummers as well, music, music things, and I listen to a lot of car stuff. Um, as as you all know, um, I won't, I'm not going to go on about that. But um, 
one of the things that I um, is that I hear a lot um, on in, in in all these different kind of uh, arenas, you know, of information of people talking about stuff is this interesting thing that was kind of really connected to me last week about sort of being creative and um, kind of never getting things finished, you know. Um, and, and quite specifically, it was this guy, um, if you're into cars, you may know this guy called Ed China. Ed China was on a program called Wheeler Dealers, very quite a famous car program that became quite big, uh, especially in America, actually. And um, it's it's just brilliant because he's like, I mean, like the uh, the Wheeler Dealer thing. If anyone's into cars and is also into mechanics, the Wheeler Dealer thing is is the thing that we all would individually love to be. Both of these people, you know, Mike Michael Brewer, Mike Brewer, and um, and Ed China, and. Uh, so Mike buys the cars, and he knows about cars, and Ed fixes the cars, you know. And uh, anybody that knows me knows that um, both those things appeal to me greatly, you know. So, um, so yeah, anyway, yeah, I've long been a fan of that show. And then they, they're, quite, they're quite famously um, separated, you know, uh, Ed left the show and... And uh, came back to because um, the show was being filmed in California, I think, in, in Discovery, and and uh, and they were all, everything was kind of situated over there. They'd moved from the UK over to America, um, and then Ed left the show and came back to the UK. You know, and uh, there's a few if you go on his YouTube channel, there's some interesting videos on there. There him trying to get his kind of tools back and stuff that are all over in California. He's kind of trying to get them back to the UK and blah blah blah. You know, um, so. Anyway, he was talking about this thing of being... Um, he's a very creative guy. Anybody that knows Ed China is a very creative guy. He makes crazy automobiles, you know, crazy things. Like he made a settee that's, that you can drive, you know, things like that, really, really mental. And you might think, what the hell are you talking about? Well, if you go and check it out, you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he actually made that thing. Um, but um, I was watching something last week and he was talking about being creative, you know... Um, and I've, I've long kind of had this thing of like, why do I never get, I feel like I never get to the end of things or get things done or, you know, ever feel like I've kind of just like gone on top of something even, you know, or feel like I've even got anywhere with my plane or or even have turned a corner or I've even like had a, had an evolutionary step, uh, had a kind of eureka moment, all these different things. Having been practising a lot over the last year, um, not so much over the last two, three months, but... Um, but well, uh, last month I've been. But before that, I'd had a two or three months off, as you know, because I had three, three, two, three months off the podcast. So, and I was doing very little drums in that time. And well, just this thing of having come back to drums now, kind of full on. So you know, like last week, the week before last, last week, I did in six days. I did four or five gigs. You know, it was really, really busy. Uh, very different gigs, and that was kind of something I wanted to talk about today. Um, but in in the, in the midst of that, you know, was again was just this kind of thing of when you go back out to play, things work and things don't work. You know, well that's my experience. Uh, you know, so I've got coffee here. That's why it was slurping sounds. Um, and just you know, getting back into that frame of mind again, which has been. 
you know, a good nine to 18, 19 months since I was kind of thinking that way, you know, and it's kind of nice to be having normal conversations again. You know, I started this podcast oh. October 19 and, um, you know, only the first three or four months of it are within kind of what we call normal times and then... Um, and then we, when we got into kind of early March and things started looking pear-shaped in 2020, you know, a lot of the content this has been, you know, quite reflective on a um, on what I would consider quite an insular, an insular existence, you know. Um, it's another thing I've thought a lot about um, in relation to um, my, my late father, you know, my... Um, when... My dad was was uh, ill. Um, I got to know one of his uh, one of his friends very well. I got to know quite a few people uh, that he lived with and was very friendly with. But he, there was somebody he walked with a lot, you know, and a very very nice chap called David, uh, same name as me, obviously. And uh, we had lots of really interesting conversations. Very very um, interesting guy, you know. Um, and uh, and one of the things he said about my dad was that he was very insular, insular, you know, he was a, my dad liked his own company, you know, and he was um, quite happy to be, you know, reading a book or just watching the football or, you know, walking or alone or whatever. But actually, there was a side to him where actually he was very social and and um, was um, great to be around, you know. But he had he had this kind of, thing of um if it being you know quite easily being able to slip into that thing of just being quite comfortable in his own existence you know and uh it's something that i really very very much very very relate to you know i feel i could that could very easily happen to me you know if i if i kind of allowed things to do that you know it's that sort of um if you if you do that there's a, there's a thing where you can do like a kind of personality profiling thing. And I remember years and years ago, and I think I may have talked about this on one of the early podcasts when you're talking about performance anxiety and that kind of thing of feeling self-conscious, was that one of the things that I worked out about myself uh, about maybe 15 years ago was that I'm an introvert, you know, um, quite... Um, quite strongly actually you know is quite a strong part of my personality is 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 aired towards that side of things uh, sorry get rid of that cup now you know and hence this arena of being able to sort of come up to the shed and spend a bit of time on the pad and then record these podcasts and and also practicing and things and He's definitely akin to that, I th- it feels to me, anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm talking nonsense and I don't even know what I'm talking about. But, but it just kind of feels like, you know, that's um, that's one of those things in life that where, yeah, it's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. And it's that thing of, like, you know, you behave in a certain way or you are a certain way and you're trying to sort of make sense of it all, you know, sometimes. And sometimes we're just going along and we're, you know, we're not thinking at all about, about what's going on we're just doing and um and so again this last two weeks has been quite a profound kind of thing of um you know suddenly doing again and then having that kind of reflexive thing of 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 playing and then something saying to you oh that's not working or ah 
you know, that needs some attention or whatever. And then there's that thing of reflecting upon it. And then, you know, it's kind of that kind of side of the personality starts to come out again and start to think, you know, oh, you know, I need to, um, oh, what do I need to work on? You know, crikey, this, it still feels like I, I feel like I haven't got anywhere, you know. And that's, you know, that's absolutely not true. But it's that feeling of of not feeling like you get anywhere. And then it's the sort of thing of feeling, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a creative person, whatever that means. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, the definition of that, whatever is, you know, it's what it is. But I think we we work out for ourselves, you know, what that means and, and in what ways we are creative, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and... Uh, and I was very interested in this comment that he made about Ed China that he made about never getting things finished because of the creative process. And uh, again, it's just one of those sort of things where, you know, you hear somebody else say something um, in a very sort of succinct way. They put it very simply, you know, and clearly, and, and it's not surrounded by um, nonsense. I, I often feel like a lot of things I talk about are surrounded by kind of nonsense, you know. I just wish it could be kind of succinct um, a lot of the time. And it just, and it really felt like I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can really relate to that. I feel like, you know, flip from one creative thing to another and, and never quite get things finished or never feel like I'm close to getting things finished, you know. And then I started thinking about this again, you know, talk to students a lot about the kind of the the the, the lonely journey and 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 the the kind of never ending journey of, of learning an instrument and taking things as as far as you want to because they're kind of infinite, you know. Um but just trying to find ways or strategies or things within that to to not feel kind of um you know hopeless in a way like oh you know i'm ever going to kind of get to anything with this um and then sort of remembering that when you're playing actually a lot of the time you feel quite joyous and you know you're not thinking about that stuff at all and just enjoying the groove and that's been one of the really nice things about the last few weeks of of playing again and having those moments of just of kind of playing and being aware of how mega it is, you know, and 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 how mega it feels to to be creating something with those people, and also just to be aware of uh, of of the impact of the thing that you're doing, you know. Um, I was I had um, a really uh, last weekend. I was I did a gig that was quite, it's quite a big gig and. And uh, the drums are really integral, important part of that music, you know. I mean, every, all aspects are, but it's, you know, the drum parts and the drum roll in it. And, uh, and, I'd, and I had a little bit of, I had some responsibility within the role as well, um, of tempos and stuff and bits and bobs. So it was kind of, um, I just had this kind of moment during the gig and it was it was kind of, a bit like whoa, a bit like a kind of about self awareness moment. A kind of thing of being, being super aware of what was going on in the moment. I was just aware of like the sound of everything on this big stage. With a, it was a big group. It was 
I don't know, about 50 of us, I think, uh, with an, you know, a small orchestra and a rhythm section and singers, you know, and, and a big audience. And just the fact that in that thing was that sound of the drums, that groove, that whole thing was me, you know. And uh, I just think we forget sometimes just just how mega that is, you know, and, the, and how beautiful it is. I think um, not to be kind of thinking about it in the moment and freaking out about it, like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, just... Um, I think, you know, it'd be good just to appreciate that, I think, sometimes, uh, quietly, you know, and just... And, and regardless of... Um, of what's going on around that, and just in ourselves to kind of acknowledge a little bit. You know, if we have, if you have that kind of thing in your own, you know, your own kind of personal inner narrative or whatever, your own personal kind of reflective thing, um, if you're how you um, acknowledge, you know, um, I think it's that, that kind of thing in. Um, maybe in spirituality or maybe in religions as well. I don't know much about religions, but I'm not a religious person. But uh, I think probably a spiritual person. But just that thing of how one is nice to oneself and kind of acknowledges to oneself um, and gives to, <laughs> doesn't give oneself a hard time, you know. Because it's very easy, and all the things I'm talking about for these last 10 minutes, I'm kind of aware as I'm talking about them, of the kind of of what can be the neurosis of it, you know, how what could be, it could be really kind of like almost the opposite of positive. It can become like a really self-aware negative thing, an anxiety thing. You're like, oh my God, I'm thinking about these things, you know. Whereas actually, I think it's, I've definitely tried in my behaviour to to have more of a sort of um, uh, a positive um acknowledgement moment within these things and it was one of those you know i was playing and it was like a big sound and it's like oh this is me you know it's great isn't it mega and next to me a you know a great friend of mine great bass player richard hammond was playing he sounded mega and it's like it's rich he sounds mega you know and the rest of the the rest of the rhythm section is a great band you know it's just that thing of of um of having those people around, you know, I'd like Rich. Rich was on my left, and a great friend of mine, Lee Mullen, was on my right. He's playing percussion, you know, and and then Jasper Wilkinson was playing. You know, he was on my kind of main rhythm guitar thing, and it was kind of us. And then the other side was uh, Tom Fripp and Pete Hughes, and they were playing the keyboards and other guitar parts and things. And um, Tom has this kind of dual role. He plays a bit of keyboards and guitar and fills a lot of those gaps, quite important parts, some of the leady parts, and then. Pete's got the kind of piano and it's just like you really kind of listen to what everybody's doing and and what the vibe is it's you know it's like a really mega thing you know you're like yeah check out what we're check out the vibe of what we're creating you know and of course it's a professional thing and it's what you're it's what's expected of you you know in that situation of course it goes without saying um but I think sometimes in the world of professional music, so to speak, I think people can be a little bit professional about it all, you know, and a bit kind of like not not joyous, you know. Um, I I think we're very lucky. It's been a crap two years. There's no doubt about that. But I think generally for the, what we do, you know, and what we get 
you know, uh, remunerated to do and and asked to do, you know, and the opportunities for that is great. So, you know, it's been a it's been an interesting time kind of getting back into playing again. And then other gigs I've been doing have been very, very different, you know, much closer to my normal, what I call the A game. And that was something else that I was really um, kind of aware of as well. You know, just thinking about this thing again of of getting back into playing, which is happening for a lot of us, um, and having not played for a long time, but really considering actually what um, what music I want to play, you know, and who I want to play with, and um, I've got involved in a few new projects since the kind of end of this sort of lockdown thing in, in the UK, anyway, and. Some bits, some new bits and bobs are kind of happening, and um, you know it's been great because they're kind of things that I've really thought about and gone, yeah, yeah, I really want to be involved in that. Yeah, yeah, something I want to you know be involved in. And just a couple, you know, a couple of things like like a night, you know, that's on, you know, like uh, you know, like uh, somebody's running a gig and just being part of that thing, just um, just as a kind of commitment, you know, because I know that once a month I'm going to be doing this thing at this venue, blah, 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 you know. And then being involved in a project, a new project, and knowing that that's kind of going to kind of rumble on and eventually will come to, you know, it will come to something. Um, even if the something is having just been part of a process of learning some music and playing with other people, you know, all that stuff is positive. Um, it's n- none of it's a waste of time, you know, especially when you're playing with good people and you're playing good music, you know. Um, my my kind of view is, again, it's not a professional view, it's, it's more of a holistic view, I think. And I'm kind of keen to try and keep that, you know, um, try and keep that values, those values. But I was we were joking... You know, a few of us were saying, how amazing it is to be playing again and all that. And said within six months, you know, most people will just be kind of cynically back to just going on gigs and moaning about this, that and the other and blah, 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 you know. And, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I don't know whether that's the case or not. But, I mean, when I – it was that thing of, like, I remember when I got well from being ill when I was 30, 31, you know. And um, one of the one of the – the big things about getting um, about getting well for me was kind of getting away from um, this thing of of always. What's the way of saying it? Basically, kind of getting beyond taking it for granted. You know, like just I'm well and and I'm and I'm fine. So it's no big deal, you know what I mean? Like it took a it took a while to get there, you know, because for a while it was a big deal. I'm well, great, hey, beautiful, mega, you know, I can, I'm alive, ooh, and doing things. And then after a while, you know, I I, I felt like it was something that occupied my thoughts a lot. But yet I was well, and I just made I kind of had this. There was a definite thing that happened actually where one day I just stopped thinking about it, you know. And the only time I ever thought about it, um, the only time I've ever really thought about it after that is when people ask me about it, you know. And and very, very few people that I know now know anything about it, you know. So it kind of means that it's not relevant anymore. And because it isn't relevant, it's, um, it's you know, 
it's I'm not ill. Well, I don't know whether I'm ill now, physically, literally, but you know, just that thing of that thing that was happening then is no longer happening, you know. And and it's the same with the gigging thing, you know. Eventually, I think the the thing that we were all, I think, alluding to in the joke was that actually, yeah, you know, eventually we get to the point where everyone's just gigging as normal again, and and we're all feeling very normal about it, you know. And uh, and it was funny because you know during the pandemic, there was a lot of this conversation about people saying, "Oh, the world's going to be different afterwards, and everyone's going to see things differently, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen." And uh, and I was thinking, I don't know whether it is really, you know, I think things will probably, they'll go back to normal and people will just, you know, get on with things normally because otherwise people maybe live in the state of semi-anxiety, you know. I don't know. People are different, aren't they? I suppose everyone's got their own value system and values and all that stuff. And again, that's kind of what yeah I wanted to sort of talk a bit about today is just that values thing and, and the creative process and about you know kind of getting things finished and you know um, and I made some notes here. I'm trying to get rid of this blooming keyboard on this thing. It's just it's quite hard to move across. Oh, you have to do ah oh, you have to do it with two fingers. That's the thing you see. The single finger thing makes the cursor move around and the two finger thing makes the screen move around. Um, but it, one of the things that I was thinking a lot about was this thing about what is the A game, you know, and what is my A game and being kind of um, aware of what that is, working on the right things so that I feel like I'm supporting that player you know that I believe that I am and and then making sure that project wise and playing wise that things always have that flavor about them you know um and I was thinking about this a lot because I was on this gig that I did last weekend which was this very it's a very different gig than I normally do really it's a groove gig and it's um you know, a gig playing disco music and stuff, um, and uh, and it's really it's a really great gig and it's a really great rhythm section uh, and great singers and stuff. You know, and uh, one of the singers is one of the members of Sister Sledge, Kathy Sledge. You know, and she's a really brilliant singer. Um, and she's very professional as well. You know, um, and uh, she's got real. She's got a thing that she does, and she has a. Um, sort of entourage of dancers with her and, and and they they do a show and come in and slot into our thing and it's great you know um but it's not really um something that i do a lot or get asked to do a lot because because of the kind of thing of being thought of as a jazz player you know um which is where i built my career you know my I've established myself within that within that world, you know, of being, um, you know, someone who's um, considered at, you know, the top of or close to the top of, you know, of a, a list of people that are in for certain gigs. And and then the week before, I'd had this, I did a dep for my uh, good friend Sebastian de Crom, who, um, who I know you, um, if you've listened to this podcast, you may have heard that interview that I did with him uh, last year. Great interview. Um, 
I check that out if you've not. It's a long one, two and, like two and a half hours, and we talk about all kinds of really interesting things. But I did a depth for him a week or so ago and uh, with a band uh, called Matt Bianco, which was a pop, they were a pop band in the 80s. <clears throat> and actually, Matt Bianco was a, was a group that I, I used to listen to when I was maybe you know, 10 or 11, 12 years old, you know. And uh, and Matt Bianco now is just Mark Riley, it's, um, uh, the, the, who was the main vocalist um, in that group. And then the band, there's a, it, there was another vocalist working with, with him that night called Elizabeth Troy, brilliant um, pop vocalist and... She does a lot of stuff in her own right, but she does the sort of BVs and and also features on a couple of those tunes, um, like half a minute and a couple of other things. Um, but and then the band is like a really really good rhythm section uh, and and with Frontline, very very good band. You know, a band that I would you know give anything to be playing with every day. To be honest with you, really really great. Um, and so it was like a thing of like, and the show is very jazzy, but it's very pop. Is they, I think it's like sophisti pop is um, is the kind of terminology because it's it is sophisticated pop music and it's a lot of bossa nova and kind of samba based music and swing, you know. And then the arrangements, the, the arrangements that they do now, um, are more, are slightly more even on the swing side, you know. Kind of uh, almost akin to, uh, you know, um, akin to, yeah, the sort of small group um, jazz jazz kind of arrangements with, um, not with lots of phrasing, but with lots of f- like front line counter melody things to the vocal, you know, and then the drums and the and the bass. It's really like it's like the disco gig. It's very swinging, but it's really like simple playing you know and uh again it was kind of it was a gig i did quite a lot of preparation for you know and uh felt like i did a good job with the gig and everyone seemed to be happy and all that stuff and it was just one gig and it's quite a lot of work for one gig but you know it was maybe hopefully be some more gigs of that in the future if there's an opportunity to dep again you know and um, blah blah blah, and you know you want to obviously you want to represent yourself, especially in in those situations, um, to the best of your ability, and uh, show yourself in a good light and all that stuff professionally, etc. And as and as a human being, of course. Um, but just that kind of thing for me of of the discipline side of it, and the create the creative side of it. You know, all these these kind of so all these situations were leading back to this kind of same thought process about about um, like am I am I using my creative um, my my creative pull or my how you know how, how I how I'm creative in the world as myself as a, as a thing as actually an excuse to not be quite as disciplined as I should be, you know, when I'm playing. And about what are the drums, you know, what are drums? What what are the function of drums in music, you know? And and of course the answer to that we know is is it's different in all sorts of different kind of music, you know. I mean some people would very would always say the drums is about is about the beat, you know. 
It's about the thing that people move their body to when they're listening to music. It's the thing that you know sets the the style and the, the tempo and the groove and everything and what people dance to essentially. You know. And then other people, you know, would say drums is very much a kind of a, an aesthetic. It's a, a sound world. It's, um, you know, something that is um, that is a, is a wide kind of colour palette, you know, with, within which to explore, you know. And I, I mean, I'm sort of taking the two, the, the two, I think, views that are most, you know, um, a lot of things I play tend to be sat right in the middle of that. I play music which requires a beat, of course, which uh, a lot of music does not all, but you know, a lot of music I play does. And I, and, and I, I personally like playing uh, good time, and I like forms, you know, generally, um, and I like the challenge of forms as well. You know, it's just not just a thing of of always liking to play in form, you know, sometimes forms are really hard, you know, they're like a bit of a nightmare. But the challenge of that is something that I enjoy, you know, and don't always get right, but it's just, you know, you're normally playing with people that are also, they're all, we're all on the same side, we're trying to survive this kind of complex music or whatever it is. I quite enjoy that thing. Um, and again, you know, that requires, I can, I, I kind of, I can almost see my frame of mind when I'm playing that kind of music and have to sort of... When I'm first trying to get through a piece of music and, and understand its um, its kind of... its shape, you know, what is the shape of the music or what is the story of the music? Because the form, you know, that's what dictates the story of the music, isn't it? You know, it's like... Um, think about form the word form in art and what have you you know not to get too kind of go down that rabbit hole but you know um what does the music look like you know what does it sound like what does it feel like to travel through that music and you know music the music that i like is has a, a strong melody um, and and lyrics as well. If it's if it's you know if it's that kind of music or if it's instrumental music, just strong melody that's very much you know the narrative of its of its story is is actually very obvious you know um, and almost doesn't require you to be aware of what the form is because it's so obvious you know. But sometimes um, there are just tricky little things. And in a couple of the Matt Bianco tunes, there's a couple of tricky little corners, you know. So I, I tried to learn a lot of the music and, and and essentially, you know, got quite a lot of it in my head. Um, but it was a reading gig, you know. It was a very fast kind of reading gig as well, tune to tune to tune, you know, uh, which was the same with the disco gig. And um, And in between these gigs, I was doing some jazz gigs that were just like lead sheet, no music, and just... You know, really, a lot of a lot of the playing was left to the moment of, of performance. You know, and um, and had a great had a great gig uh, on the Sunday after I did the Friday down in in London at Ronnie Scott's with the Matt Bianco thing. Did two shows in one night, two houses. You know, um, and then on the Saturday um, I had a gig 
with Arun Ghosh, who I've played with for a long, long time, great friend and a great musician. I really love doing that gig, and I've talked about that before on the podcast. But um, did a gig with him, and it was a really like a bit of a last minute thing because I don't think he was. I think he was worried about booking a band for this jazz festival because he was worried about it getting cancelled, and then really left it as late as possible. And it was with you know a couple of great friends and people I played a lot of music with. Uh, not together a lot actually, but uh, but I played a lot of music with separately, and uh, and it was a very open gig. But I know that music very well, you know. And it was so it was really different than the Friday, and great. And then the sat and then the Sunday I had another gig, uh, which was with um, like a, a jazz quartet thing, um, but it was kind of quite open, and it was mega, you know with uh, Nick Spark and uh, <clears throat> Jeff Gunter and Richard Hammond. And it, and it was just a really great gig. And it was the first kind of really proper jazz gig actually I'd done for a long time, you know, in that sense. And then the Tuesday, I had a day on the Monday, and then Tuesday I had another gig um, just in a little pub, just playing some straight ahead stuff with a really, really with a nice band, uh, a really good, really good piano player called Andre, Andre Baronek, a really great piano player and... Uh, just playing, you know, standards. Um, and it's just interesting kind of arc, you know, just a kind of arc of of, uh, of different hats and different situations and then having this kind of thing. And then at the end of the week, you know, we had to rehearse for the the thing and then had the show on the, on the Saturday, the disco show, you know. Um, and then it's been, it's been... It's been pretty quiet since then, and it's just been full on with work. So next, my next gig is in a couple of weeks. I've got a bit of a break now, but you know. Um, <clears throat> but just so, just kind of reflect. This last week has really been this kind of thing going back to the discipline thing and the creative thing, and then uh, this conversation I was listening to on this interview with Ed China about saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a really creative person, and that's why, I ne- and that's why I never get things finished," you know. And, um, and I kind of found it. To, it was like a, just a, like a nice little moment in the middle of a little bit of semi confusion in my own head, you know. Just going from that thing of like, oh, I don't need to get this thing more together, and oh, but I really want to be playing this music, and you know, but I definitely don't want to not be asked to do that again, and you know, I feel like I'm on top of this, and blah blah blah, you know, all this stuff's going on all the time, you know. And it may, I mean, it may surprise some of you listening to 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 hear that you know this is a kind of narrative that's going on but it is um and then it's just kind of feeding back to kind of what am i going to practice you know and what am i going to work on and and just also re-establishing the practice regime you know and uh trying to find um consistency in that because it's that you know it's very very easy be very very easy now for me to stop doing a couple of things that I've been doing a lot of. One is the exercise bike thing, which I've you know been carrying on with, and that's really helped with the metabolism and keeping my weight because I've gone back to eating normally now. I was on this diet for six months and I lost quite a lot of weight, you know, and it's I've been really really super happy about that, you know. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things with going kind of back into work and travelling back across to Leeds from where I live in Bolton, you know, and um, being back physically and work again, which has been happening last week <clears throat> and will be happening from from Monday, you know, um, 
is just that thing of not being able to get the exercise in, you know, and then worrying about the metabolism falling, you know, and then the kind of weight coming back on, you know, and stuff. And um, so the, ne- the next kind of six weeks kind of uh, it's going to be quite interesting time for that for me, I think, you know, just kind of establishing a, a slightly different routine. Well, one thing I'm trying to work out at the moment is when to book my first lesson uh, since May. You know, I'm trying to kind of gauge when to do that because I'm kind of desperate to do it, but I can't decide when, you know, I'm procrastinating a little bit because I'm procrastinating a little bit about what I want to talk about. There's a lot of the stuff that that I got um, of Mr. Riley last time I saw him. Um, I've worked on... I've worked on about 10% of, of the totality of it, you know. So the, each concept I've worked on individually and, and but, you know, I'm only, um, I'm only about 10% through the material, but all of it's stuff that I'm, you know, I know that I'm going to be happy to kind of just practice for the next 10 years. And, uh, and that's fine, but, and it's kind of, well, you know, okay, when I'm practising... Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to do maybe 20 minutes of that because it's enough, you know, because it's just about, um, with the coordination stuff, the thing I found, I don't know if this is something that relates to anybody, any of you out there, or maybe you've got a different way that works for you. I'd be interested to hear from you if you have. Um, It's funny because I sometimes mention this thing about... uh, drop me a line you know in relation to any kind of thoughts or questions and uh, very rarely hear from anybody about that but hear from people about other things or just about having listened to it you know um but it would be great to get into kind of like a dialogue um trying to think of ways that could work you know um but anyway yeah kind of get into there's some kind of other news about other things coming soon with um with my own sort of thing. But anyway, don't want to go down that rabbit hole now. Let's just stay on topic. But, um, you know, yeah, as I was saying, the coordination thing, um, I found that it tends to work better for me if I work on um, a smaller amount of stuff for longer, not try and work on a lot of information, get through a lot of information in a kind of superficial way. Um just because, one, I'm doing stuff that I find very hard and uh, and the success I kind of feel, um, which I've got to do, I've got to actually do on one of the podcasts. Actually, I've got to play this left foot clave thing at some point, which I'd promised on one of the episodes. Um, and it's around now, I'm pretty sure it was about a year ago, and I said, I'm going to play something with left foot clave. Um, but anyway, you know, there's a few things now in a couple, two or three well, two to three different approaches where just two, one or two of the patterns that I can play very well, you know, with left foot clave. And that, not in no, you know, doesn't mean in any way that I've mastered left foot clave because, you know, I move on to the next pattern in comp three or comp four from uh, from the Art of Bop Drum in John Riley's book. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a beginner again with it. You know, it's uh, the, the, the fluidity of, of, of practicing that left foot clave thing within, you know, the Bembe thing or within the straight cascara thing, still 
hasn't kind of manifested itself into a uh, an ability to be completely flexible with it. The one thing I've noticed is is there are certain patterns which I find easier to get to because of those other patterns. And the whole picture will find it, you know, I will find my myself, you know, within the whole picture at some point. Um, and that's just time. But I, I, I find that if I do one or two patterns for 20 minutes, that's kind of enough. Um, and then other things, you know, other stuff that I've got and I'm practising. And so, you know, it's been kind of thinking about what is the next thing that I want to get from those lessons, you know. And I'm pretty clear, actually, in my head, I think about what it is you know um and then want to talk about because because there's there's definitely i'm feeling like a a little bit of an appetite now for um a kind of expansion in my vocabulary Um, i'm wanting to kind of get a few new things down and get a few new things into my playing you know um one of the things that i was what i was kind of just thinking a little bit about a while ago is this thing of like using the parodid little, which I play a lot. Um, it's used as, it, was, it was a kind of go-to um, phrase thing, kind of go-to um, f- kind of sticking or sound, you know. I always think it's because of... Because it's got the swing beat in it, I think that's why. I think that's why it appeals to me. Uh, but I, I was getting into thinking about adding a bass drum in or two bass drums in, and then looking at different patterns. And one of them was this kind of two bass drums, and then uh, a parallel little, then one bass drum, and then two bass drums, and that adds up to a whole bar of four four with a. With a downbeat on the beat of the next bar, seven is seventeen beats. And it's quite a nice little pattern, and so just stuff like that. Um, and one one of the great things about um, you know going going for lessons with with um, Mr. Riley is is that when you if you talk about something that you're practicing, he's always got. Um, like a an interesting variation or an interesting progression that's that's challenging for that thing you know that's the thing that's the thing i found with him you know i've talked to him about quite a few different patterns and stuff and and stickings and, and movement things and things and he's he's always oh yeah 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 and then have you thought about doing this with it or you know have you got you know have you have you have you ever considered that um that if you change this element of it, then it's kind of that, and and also it's just it's some of the things that I've um, that I've been working on that he's given me. They've kind of led me to, you know, to stuff connect to stuff that I also know about. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that, isn't it? You know, ah, um, oh, blimey, you know, and just because you know, at the end of the day, as we know, you know, all roads lead to roads, as they say, uh, you know. And and it's the same with kind of with patterns and and uh, and technique and phrasing and stuff. Is that um, I'm always kind of it's always hilarious how 
I feel like I kind of have an understanding of, of say, rudiments, and then something else will come along. Like I was talking at the beginning, it's the windmill, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, 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 the windmill. I never thought about, you know, doing doing that paradiddle thing, you know, reversing the paradiddle and putting a flam on the front of it, you know, and how because I know because I know flam taps so well and alternating flams, it's actually quite an easy thing to play. But yeah, I haven't ever played it before, and never considered playing it before, and it's like this. There's so much of that stuff, you know, and uh, it's it's a great it's a great joy to kind of discover it, you know. This seven beat thing that he was that he showed us on this drummers it was called the drummers round table on one of the Russ Gleason Neil Wilkinson drum hangs. He talked about this thing of uh, the Swiss Army triplet, and then and then the windmill. So you get the. It's a seven-beat cycle. And that naturally uh, reverses to the other hand. So, uh, so, so I haven't practised it for a couple of weeks. And I'm also, the mic stand is, is kind of precarious, a little bit precarious. Hopefully it's all recording all right. Um the last thing I recorded, the last podcast, some of you may have listened to, had, had a weird sound thing going on because of the lead, you know. I'm hoping that I've not got that problem again. I, I have no idea because I'm just recording and the thing is, the screen is flying by and it's, you know, it's what it is. Um, so, Swiss Army triplet and the and uh, it's very like this um, um, this, this sticking I learned off um, this drummer Jason Brown um, very similar feeling to that which which is deceptively harder than it probably sounds Um because it's a flam single, so left to right, single to left, and then right, left, left. Which, uh, and then the, the right, left, left uh, reverses then the stick into flam, right to left, right, left, right, right, you know. And then what you do is you double stroke the, instead of having the, just the flam, you double stroke that single stroke. So you get that instead of bleat da, you get bleat da, bleat da, and then after it you get the right, left, left, and that's what's awkward about it because you get the flam with the double to a single, which is easy, and then you get the right, left, left, which is really awkward after that. Yeah. It's been quite a satisfying thing to... Um, sorry about that, smashing into the desk. It's been quite a satisfying thing to learn, you know, and to practice and work on. Um, so there's all those kind of little things going on at the moment. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of desperate for some new... some new things for around the instrument, things to work on. And, and again, it's it's just keeping this, this eye on integrating the feet into everything, you know, and uh, definitely not going down my kind of um, my lazy creative rabbit hole 
of everything being about the hands, you know, because that's super easy to do for me, you know, so easy to just get into a hands thing and uh, and the feet just get left behind. And, and it's, you know, the thing, as I've talked about many times, about the thing of, of the height thing, of sitting lower, making a commitment to that. And then um, practising everything in the feet in a specific kind of way, just to really, you know, get on top of the feet thing and, and have more of a kind of a, of a, of a strength um, through the feet. It's definitely, it's definitely been something that's been very, very challenging, you know. But, I, you know, I feel like I've done okay with it, um, but it's something that I've definitely really had to keep an eye on, um, you know, and it, and the thing that's great about it, of course, is it means I'm always practicing things that I can't play, you know. So, you know, I, I, or can't play consistently. That's the, uh, as well. That's the other thing. The, the side of that. The only a caveat to that statement, I think, is you know. But I remember, year, you know, years ago when when um, talking to an old friend of mine, Stuart McCallum, you know, about practising and one of the things he said to me is, oh, you always practise things you can already play, you know. I don't I don't practise anything that I can play. And he's right, you know, because it's that thing of if you if you sort of practise things you can already play, you're just, you're really, I mean, I feel like you're just kind of, you're just self-congratulating, you know, you're just having a nice time, you know, which is fine. But I think if you really want to, get better you've got to uh you've got to face it head on with kind of courage you know <laughs> and conviction um so as you know as things return to normal and gigs start happening again for everybody i think yeah f- for me it's definitely trying to keep an eye and we'll keep one eye on that thing on that goal you know making sure that um I don't just want to fall back into this kind of uh, way of just being, um, not doing much, not doing much practice, you know, not having, not spending time just on those core things that's that's away from the playing, you know, Um, whilst getting back into playing and and enjoying the thing of playing. Because the other thing I've noticed and, a lot of my friends who've been playing have all said the same thing, and probably anybody that's listening to this will probably relate to this if you've started gigging again, is that I've definitely got, again, this kind of cognitive thing going on of, of a slight hesitation in the moment because I'm kind of thinking about what I'm doing for a, for a whole variety of different reasons, but in the core of it is this thing of thinking about it, not just playing. Um definitely noticed that a couple of times you know and uh and like i was saying before one of those sort of things was just thinking about you know the sound of the drums in this massive space and being responsible for it which is slightly different and not like uh, the thing i'm more relating to with this is the thing of in jazz um just going to play something and just having a hesit- slight hesitation because the nervous system is not quite a hundred percent on, you know, on it. Um, and I've definitely noticed that that's got better very, very quickly. You know, which I, which I kind of expected because I've been playing a long time. You know, I don't I don't think an eight, an eighteen month absence 
pretty solidly, really, of um, an 18 months absence of, of playing with people um, is going to require 18 months to get, you know, beyond it and back out the other side of it. Uh, I'm definitely, um, I think that it's like the old, you never forget how to ride a bike syndrome, you know. You know, you, you learn to ride a bike and then you don't ride a bike for years and then you get a bike out of the shed and you get on it you go, oh, yeah, oh, this thing and a bit wobbly for maybe 20 yards and then within a mile you're, you're well on your way again, you know. And uh, and I, I kind of feel like that's the reality of it, really, you know. It's just... Um, it's just going to take, you know, a few gigs to really get back into... Just that thing of feeling in, con- in command and control in, in all aspects, you know, of the playing. And um, so, yeah, so it's been a funny old time. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, but yeah, so some just some thoughts, really, of the last couple of weeks, having reflected on, um, on playing again, gigging again, and um, having people listen, you know, and uh, react... Uh, it's been great, you know. Um, been really great, actually. <laughs> yeah, just a couple of real highlights the last couple of weeks, thinking about a couple of moments, just a really great things, you know. Um, and, yeah, kind of... I had this kind of mad idea that I was going to do this uh, Zoom uh, performance thing once... Um, I was thinking... Of course, as I normally do, over-ambitiously at first of doing one a week, but the reality of that is probably not going to happen. But I'm still thinking of a way how to set it up. But I think maybe once once every couple of weeks, and it may link to the a bit more to the podcast as well, or or a section of the podcast. Um, Because it was kind of a way of maybe getting people, um, driving a few more people to the podcast, you know, just to get people to maybe engage in something else that they maybe are into and then start listening to the podcast and maybe get into some of the other stuff in the podcast and then go back to some of the older episodes and you know there's quite a lot of um there's quite a lot to listen to now you know most of it's just rambling nonsense as you know but again it's uh, filled a bit of time um you know um my my girlfriend well we watched coronation street you know and some of the scripts the last few months They've just been, I always joke and say they're written by our cat, you know, they're that terrible. Um, just because, I mean, obviously they've been, you know, they've been doing things in a kind of COVID world and uh, and they've been stretching out scripts, you know, in, in a way which, you know, really, you know, is um, probably below the usual standards of any of the script writers involved in that. But, you know, they've all had to, you know, as had to adapt, haven't they? But, um, yeah, so I think about actually you know, the, the sort of rambling nonsense involved in my podcast is probably, you know, is no worse than um, some of the scripts of um, some of our major soap operas in the last year or so, just because of the, the pandemic, you know. But, no, so I was thinking of these things of doing these... Uh, all these uh, all these things that I write to practice to um, was doing a doing a kind of monthly um, 
Zoom performance thing that uh, people can log on to and watch. And then I talk a little bit about the music afterwards and talk a bit about the drum part and talk about what I'm practising and stuff. And I don't know if that's something that people would be interested in, but I was thinking maybe it was something that I was going to do. I'm just trying to find a way to get the computer set up with the Zoom, with the sound card, so it's really good quality. And then um, and then having the right kind of mic to talk down and and then maybe do a Q&A thing, you know. I'm not sure. It was something maybe I was thinking about charging a very small fee. Um, and then there's like the thing about how the hell to charge people. How do you have a, how do you how do you work thing with a paywall and get people to the whole things like so complicated, you know. Um, and then the, the, and the other idea of it was that every week, every time I did a podcast, the podcast would be recorded after the session, and I would talk a bit, a little bit in the podcast about the piece, you know, and all that stuff. And it would just maybe I don't know. Find it's the thing I was talking about before about trying to find maybe a a way to engage with people a bit more, you know. Um, and then part of me thinks people that people just want to just have a vibe, don't they? Don't want to engage specifically just want to maybe have a listen to someone while they're driving the car and you know stop some falling asleep or something at the wheel don't know um yeah it's just all thoughts it's that thing of you know I, uh, having the youtube channel and i was talking to i've uh, just been making i'm in the middle of making this album at the moment with um nick Spark, with scott divine and um and uh, also with a guy called Matt, Ra- uh, Matt Radcliffe as well, the keyboard player. Um, he's playing on some of the album, and um, as you know, any of the, that any of you are into kind of online stuff will know Scott Divine, Scott's bass lessons, and all that stuff is a huge, huge um, online bass thing. And I was talking to him about you know about the online thing and about Instagram and stuff, and. He was saying, why aren't you just doing a YouTube channel where, you know, you're just, you know, sharing stuff? Um, Why don't you just do that? Because that's like, that'd be like for what you do would be so easy, you know. So that's why I was thinking about it. I was thinking I could record the Zoom thing. It's a performance. People could watch. And then we could have a chat afterwards about the music and about what I'm playing and all that stuff. And then upload that video session to YouTube and then in the podcast talk about it, you know, and have links to the podcast and all that stuff. And it all sounds like, you know, so mega and if I was in any way kind of semi-organised, I'd get this together, but I probably end up won't because I probably won't have time because of other things. (laughs) But it's something that may happen. So, you know, um, that's been the big plan. That's been the kind of... That was my latest plan, my latest idea. Um, the other one was about launching my website. I bought two domain mains. One of them is Drums in the Shed, and the other one's Dave Walsh Drummer, which I own both of those things. I've got them for four years now, which is good. Um, I bought them last year and I've done anything with them, but my, my girlfriend's quite, she's really on the old website thing and she's built her own membership site and stuff and it's really good and she's got a paywall and um, it's very, very complex. She's spent a lot of time getting this thing together, you know. She's really learned a lot and my kind of hope is that if I ask very nicely, she will help me set up something. Um, but I was going to basically uh, get try and get also this kind of, you know, teaching thing together, which was like a, um, basically about helping people find their sound, you know. 
um, and my approach to doing that, which is kind of core to part of the way I teach, you know. Um, so that's something else that's on the horizon. Um, both those things are kind of, you know, I'd like to try and get them set up in the next year, 18 months. Um, and I'm thinking it might be easier to do it from the Zoom thing first, you know, because I've got all, I mean, I've got like 60-odd of these tracks, you know, and they're all for sale on my Bandcamp page. If you look up Dave Walsh um, on Bandcamp, um, there's about, I think there's about 25 or 30 of them at the moment uploaded, you know, um, and I just haven't got around to uploading anymore yet. I've been, I've, I've been meaning to kind of update the library, but it's very, very good value for money, to be fair. You know, buying the whole library is like $10. And if you buy the, if you buy the, the library, any updates, any extras that get added, you get them free, you know. You're buying the library, so you're just paying a one-off fee for all the library. And it's all these pieces that I practice to and uh, I've, I've not, not posted on Instagram for a long time, but um, uh, but used to post regularly, um, and yeah, and so I've got about sixty sixty odd of them all together. So it's like actually that's like two, you know, it's two years worth of material just there, you know, actually. So uh, so I could kind of do that without having to actually write make any resources. So because a lot of the time, a lot of these things is creating the resources to then. Know, to then share with people and use, you know. So, so yeah, it's been kind of interesting. But it's also something that I stopped. I stopped practicing in that way as well. But I think I, I, I would quite like to share um, some of the things that I was doing within those exercises with people, you know. So, if anyone's listening to this, kind of semi-interested in any of that stuff, drop me a line at um, on Instagram or drummy drummy d. D-R-U-M-M-I-E-D at gmail.com or Drummy Dave or Dave Walsh Drummer, I think he's old Drummy Dave. Can't remember, actually. Drummy Dave on Instagram. Um, I think that's what it is. I never remember. You know, you've got all these handles. I never remember what any of them are, you know. What is my name on Instagram? My name is Drummy underscore Dave. There you go. Just loading it now. Um, so, yeah, you can contact me on there. And it'd be great to hear from you and let me know, you know what you think, wherever you are in the world. So I'm going to call it a day for today. Thanks for listening. Sorry about the very strange, rambly introduction. Um, but um, anyway, that's the way it goes. Um, thanks for checking in and have a great uh, week or two. And I'll catch up with you very soon. So bye for now. <laughs>